Heavenly Father, I do thank you so much for this day. I thank you, Lord, for uh, bringing us together this morning. I ask that you would bless our time together, Lord, uh, point us into, Lord, into your truth according to your word. I pray these things now in Christ's name, amen. I did not hand out all of the copies. I think there's some on that back row, if anybody would like to grab some and maybe help pass a few out. Uh, as we're starting, I want you to know I, I feel... This section of notes feels very confusing to me in my head right now. This is the least prepared I've ever been for a set of notes for a Sunday school ever. And I have two reasons why I'm blaming two different things. Uh, one, one reason is because it's summertime and I'm an educator. <laughs> so my brain has shifted out of focused mode into relaxation mode, and so to sit down and try to do something scholarly just is working against my nature right now, and so to sit down and do this. The second reason why this feels so uh, convoluted in my mind is that, I'm going to be honest with you, when I ask the question that ultimately this, this question is asking, I don't know if I fully know the answer, Okay? Because on one hand, I would say I do know the answer. On the other hand, if I want to get to the specifics, I would say I don't know the answer. And being a math teacher by trade, I want specifics. And I don't have the specifics that I really wished I had. I like formulas that add up and, and make sense and, and all those kinds of things. So um, I don't know if we have any more. Did you get a copy? Thank you. So let's review previous two questions. I have that, by the way, the, the handout I have for you today doesn't have any fill in the blanks. This is more just for you to have to, to browse. I may not even read everything that's on here. Uh, question 29 uh, from two weeks ago, how can we be saved only by faith in Jesus Christ and in his substitutionary atoning death on the cross? Even though we are guilty of having disobeyed God and are still inclined to all evil, nevertheless... I love the nevertheless. Nevertheless, God, without any merit of our own, but only by pure grace, imputes to us the perfect righteousness of Christ when we repent and believe in him. Which, by the way, one of the questions behind this question is even in this answer... Oop, I didn't put it up there. Even in this answer... This last part, this according to Christ, according to God's grace, without any merit of our own, but pure grace imputes to us the perfect righteousness of Christ when, this word right here I don't like, would you agree with me? It's a, because I'm going to be honest with you, when you read through the scriptures and you look at this thing that we call salvation, there are places where it sounds like the order is faith and then his righteousness, justified. But I'm going to be honest with you, there's other times where it sounds like it's the other way around. Where we're born again, regenerated, and faith comes from that. If you say, no, 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 it's always this order, I'm telling you, you if you 
read the full counsel of the word of God, you're going to find that it is not as easy. And see, again, my math teacher mind, I like the order and the progression. And I'm telling you, the Bible does not narrate. In fact, it, it, it brings it down to where, to the best of my understanding, this salvation thing and this faith thing, what we're doing, what we have done in relation to this, the, where does one start and the other one stop? And where does one begin and the other one end? I do not think that you will find a perfect answer to that solution. In fact, I would say that they are almost possibly, I think, maybe simultaneous events. If anything, there is at least in some degree, some way, shape, or form, a fraction of a step before our faith is that born-again reality. You see that in Ephesians 2, right? For by grace are you saved through faith. This not of think about the wording there. For by grace are you saved. How does this? How does this happen? Through faith. It's a gift of God. Right, not of your own. You didn't do, even even that faith. If you if you follow the context of that, even that faith falls under the category of that gift of God. Even that in and of itself. But now I'm getting off topic. So let's go back to this. Because the question that we're getting to, the question where we're heading, is what must a person believe to be saved? And so on the one hand, I'm going to be honest, every time I came to this question this last week, every time I looked at it, I kept coming back to the fact that I'm so thankful that it ultimately does not depend on us getting this right. God saves people, right? He saves us. Hugely important. This plays into it somehow. Question 30. What is faith in Jesus Christ? Faith in Jesus Christ is acknowledging the truth of everything that God has revealed in his word, trusting in him, and also receiving and resting on him alone for salvation as he has offered to us uh, in the gospel. This one starts to get to the root of my own personal question on this. Okay, so this is where my notes get very convoluted because I'm going to steer off of them right now for just a moment and express to you my heart in this. I have wondered about this question many, many times. Maybe you have as well. Like what exactly, what do you have to believe? How much do you have to believe? Or how little do you have to believe to be safe? Again, I go, well, I know ultimately God saves us. He regenerates. He does this work in us. So I'm grateful for that part. But it's still an intriguing question, isn't it? What must a person, what, what, what falls into that category? I'll give you some practical reasons why this is important. I know that the why doesn't matter is at the very end, but I'll give you some practical reasons why this is important. Um, uh, Jehovah's Witness might say that they believe in Jesus. Do they mean the same thing that we mean when we say that? No, they do not. What, what is it? What, what, does anybody know, like, very brief version, what's, what's one of the differences, the key differences, even in just saying that statement? It, Jesus is not God. So, in Jehovah's Witness, Jesus is God. Yes. But the Jehovah's Witness would say Jesus is not God. Thank you for the clarification, Paul. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for clarifying. We, we were all concerned for a moment. Um, 
So in my own head, I've wrestled with that. Um, my mom remembers way, way back, there were some Jehovah's Witnesses that came when I was still living at home, and they came um, <clears throat> to the house, and they just kept coming back. I think they were bringing trainees to practice on me or something. And I, every week it was the one guy, and then he had a new guy with him, and they kept coming back again and again, and I was like, let's talk. Yeah, I mean, this is when I was full of energy and young and stupid. Um, but that was one of the questions in my head back then. Well, what, how, how much, I mean, we would say in one hand, you know, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So in one hand, I could, I could narrow down the answer to that question. The next question, what do we believe by true faith? What, what do we actually believe? I could narrow it down almost to that if I was going to the screen. I could say, you believe in Jesus. But what, what, is, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? There's a lot of people might say, um, would, would somebody in the Islamic faith say they believe in Jesus? Yeah. Do they mean the same thing that we mean when we say it? No. Um, how about Mormons? Do they, are they saying this, would they say that? That they believe in Jesus? Would they, are they meaning the same thing that we mean when we say it? No. So you see, one of the first things when Christians, I don't think we're the first ones that have wrestled with this, when Christians started grappling with this question, and this is where the answer that they have in this catechism comes from. It's, it's actually one of my favorite elements about what we're getting ready to talk about is that I love the idea, the concept that we're not the first Christians to grapple with things. In fact, there's a long history of Christians who've been grappling with the same questions in the same way. And you see that expressed, and I'm going to read a statement here from D.A. Carson in a little bit. You, you see that expressed in the kind of creeds that they expressed, where they try to give summaries of what, what do we believe. This is why I personally, just me personally, I love church history and I love creeds because it, it helps me see, it helps me avoid temporal snobbery. Do you know what I mean by that? Like some people in their time, they feel like they've got something figured out that nobody else ever figured out before. And it, so it helps me avoid temporal snobbery because... Frankly, when I look back to some of these ancient creeds and then the, in the middle and then at this point and this point, I, I see they were probably way smarter than I was in a lot of areas. But I, I love this. It avoids temporal, but also helps me to see that this church exists outside of the bounds of time. When we gather together in the end, we're going to have, I mean, that church gathering. Sometimes we talk about every people, every tribe, every nation, but also, every time. Isn't that awesome? I wonder, when I think about that, I wonder about the types of things that we'll sing. Will we get all new songs? Will any of our old songs make it? You know? What about some of the songs from 2,000 years ago? Maybe we'll learn some of those from our ancient forefathers and foremothers in the faith. Right? And maybe we'll teach them some of our new ones that we've learned. Maybe some of them will go, we need to pitch that one. We were a little bit off there, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I love that they've grappled with this. And you see, in fact, one of the things you see when you look at creeds, you see them expanding over time. 
because new questions came up. One of the first questions, and I think one of the most essential ones that we're actually talking about as an aside right now, is who is Jesus? I mean, it's, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? You know, if I said I believe in Jesus, but in my mind that chair is Jesus, I'm not going to heaven, right? That's it, it, at the name of Jesus, yes, but but it's got to be Jesus, not Jesus. That lives down the street. You know, I mean, it, it's got it. There's one mediator between God and men, the Savior, Christ Jesus. And knowing at least to some degree who he is must be essential. And so I have that question. Does anybody ever, everybody with me on this? Like, what, what, what do you, what's the, what's the limit? Because I, I don't just want to know, like, what's the top end of it, but I want to know what's the, what's the least amount What's the minimum that must be understood or comprehended? And I don't think there's a clear, because I'll tell you what, just when I think I have the answer, I think about the thief on the cross and it throws all my theories into the garbage. Because I don't think he, there's a lot of things he understood, but he saw this guy and before he was mocking him and at some point his mind switched and he looked at this, this person who was dying and thought, my hope is there. Right, But the thing that helps him is that he's looking right at who Jesus is. It's not looking at him over history or generations later. So this is a complicated question. As much as I want to answer it simply, this is a complicated question. And I come back again and again to the hope and the fact that ultimately, I don't have to get this perfectly right. God saves people. Right, And I think any confusion about who he is, if he saved them, will eventually be revealed to that person, given time. But now, to attempt to answer this, I love what they've done here. They went back to one of the oldest creeds that we have called the Apostles' Creed. Okay? Um, so question 31, this catechism answers it by, what do we believe by true faith? It says everything taught to us in the gospel, the Apostles' Creed expresses what we believe in these words. Okay, and it's, this is a long one, so I ha- expect you to have this memorized by next week. Um, maybe Norma could do that. The rest of us, no. Um, we believe in God the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin, Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. This next sentence, now this is what the Apostles' Creed says. I don't know what to do with this next one. I Actually, I know what I think I want to do with it, but um, he descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church. That's another one that might throw some of you for a loop, like, whoa, what's that? Okay, don't worry. The communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Now, to help me out, I want to go to, on your paper there, I have that first quote by D.A. Carson, who I love, D.A. Carson. My wife doesn't like his sound of his voice. 
but I, I love him. Um, he says this, we believe in God. I don't know if I have this up there. Yeah, I do. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. So begins what is universally called the Apostles' Creed. Strictly speaking, it was not formulated by the Apostles. It emerged, it emerged in the second century, but it is called the Apostles' Creed because the summary of what is given in the Creed reflects the doctrine of the Apostles, the doctrine of the New Testament in summary form. It is an early Christian confession. But it is so early, this is why I'm sharing this quote for this next little sentence here. It is so early and has been used so widely across Christian denominations all around the world that it is one of the rare things that unites all Christians in common belief. Um, this is where I like what this answer is to a certain point. Because I agree with the heart of what this, uh, th- th- this unites us across what we would consider denominational barriers, right? And I'm going to tell you right now, there's, there's some things that I would disagree with in different denominations where I'm going to be honest with you, I think I'm right and they're wrong. Is that okay? Can we do that? I'm okay with that because they think I, they're right and I'm wrong. So, I mean, I'm not going to, but there's some essential things that I can go, man, I can join hands with you in fellowship and worship of the one true God and his only son, Jesus Christ. Right? We might differ. Like, there's some people that they like to baptize babies. I don't think we should baptize babies. Okay? If you go, I thought we should baptize babies. I'm, I'm not going to argue about that one right now. I might at some point if you really want to. <laughs> but all in love. Right? Um, but I, I love the heart behind this because I, I think this gets missed sometimes with some of the other differences, because there's some other things that we might have differences on, but man, if, I, I think it's great to, to look back at this ancient thing and say, man, this is something we can unite behind that we can, we can have fellowship with. Now, uh, one of the ways that we do this as this church is if you look at our statement of beliefs, we have two different ones. We've got the congregational confession of faith. It fits on one page, right? And it says a lot of the basically the same things that that says. Now, I think it's important, though, as leadership, if you get into a point of leadership, to be a little bit more unified on some other issues. And so our elder confession of faith is, I don't know how many pages? Several, right? Um, and that, that just, frankly, that's just a practical issue. If we're going to lead together, there's some things that we probably ought to be like, we're in agreement on these things. That does not mean, though, that if somebody were to come to my church, I'd say, oh, you can't unless you agree with all the, no. Who's Jesus Christ? Do you know who he is? You know, where's your one and only hope for salvation? All right, so I would love to have some discussion at this point, which makes a lot of people nervous, makes me a little bit nervous, makes Paul really nervous. Um, but I love discussion. Um, I'd like to go to, and let me see if I can get to the right spot here in my notes. Yes, all right, so before we get to just talking about that, creed which i'd like to talk about in a minute i'd like to hear just going back to the original question what do you have to believe what what must a person believe to be saved how much what are your thoughts on that especially when it comes to okay i'm going to throw one out there if somebody says i must be baptized to go to heaven like that like there are people, and it's, I'm not 
throwing judgment. There are people that would say, say, say they were in a church service and somebody presented it to them the gospel. And they were sitting right here. And they're like, they've never heard it before. And they, they're like, I believe it. And the, the pastor says, if anybody would like to believe, like good old, old time, what's it, what's it called? I've, invitation. Gosh, it's been so long since I've done one. Invitation. And they said, would anybody like to come? And this person said, yes. And, and let's say they were at a church. And, and there's some people that say, okay, let's say that person got up and they're like, I believe. And they, they're coming forward and they're stepping right here. And they, they, they're right here and they're getting, I mean, they, they want Jesus with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the pastor goes, absolutely. We talk about it. And they said, you know, we're going we're gonna to baptize. we got the baptismal ready right now. And they're like, okay. And they, they start heading up there, and they get right here, and they have a heart attack and die. There are people that would say, tough luck. They're not going to heaven. In this town. Now, Mike debate is not over whether or not that's right or wrong because I'm, I, I don't have a problem telling you that's wrong. The thief on the cross did not get a chance. Now, what those people would say if you questioned them on that, they'd say, well, he was baptized in blood. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, my question is not that. My question is, let's say you've got a person who believes that and let's say they made it and they got dunked and they came out could that person be saved? I'm not going to tell you what I think yet. What do you guys think? Well, honestly, do, we can talk. I think the baptism is just an outward sign of your, the, the uh, circumcision of your heart. So if you're, if mm. you're repentive, which goes back into the, the grace. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's a great answer. So he answered two things at the same time. Did you catch that? Ultimately, the baptism is not what saves the person anyway, right? That's not what actually does the saving. It's an outward representation. I love that. Could a person who's like, no, 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 you have to, like if they're thinking that with all, every, no, they will die on that hill. Could that person be saved? I would say Possibly. Because if at the end of the day, if ultimately they're depending on Jesus Christ, that's really what it is. And I've known some people that thought that and eventually that got worked out of them. They started getting, like it became a little bit more clear. I think there's a possibility that person might be confused at this point, but maybe God has saved them and he's working that out. Does that make sense? That's a tough one though, isn't it? Now, what, what would I tell a person that's believing that? What would you say? Oh, this is a tough one in our, our culture, isn't it? I'll tell you what I'd say. I'm sorry, you're wrong. Let's talk about it. You know? And then I'd probably start by saying, why do you think that? And really listen. Because if you've ever noticed... If you're listening just for the purpose of refuting, can people tell that you're doing that? Right? So giving them an ear. Help me. No. Tell me. Why, why do you think that? And just really listening. And then saying, you know, can I tell you why I don't? And if they say no, say, okay.
If they're genuinely saved, God's going to reveal that, that to them. He does not need me to do that. He does not need you to set everybody in the world straight. Correct? <laughs> what, about, what about a Catholic? In the Catholic faith, there's a belief that, and it, there, I'm going to be honest with you, there, there's a varieties <laughs> across the globe of the extensiveness of this. But for the most part, someone in the Catholic faith is believing that what they're doing is earning them their righteousness. Jesus did something, but basically it's depending on them. And if they don't do enough, they may have to pay for some through purgatory. Eventually they'll get that paid off and they go to heaven. Could, please, and this time, I want to ask you this time, honestly, just what do you think? Could someone who's in that system of belief go into one of those churches, could someone in that situation actually be saved? Yeah. If they got in the Word of God, the Spirit of God can convince them. Yeah. Good answer. Yeah, I think I, I mean I've known some friends that are Catholic that have the relationship mm. with Jesus where like it's, it's different, right? It's not just the, that, but I was that was my first thought. My first thought was there's even people within our But practically speaking, mm -hmm. oh, so true. So God's probably not happy with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I love that you brought that up. So both those things. One of my favorite musicians is a guy named John Michael Talbot. Has anybody ever heard of John Michael Talbot? He's a what's that? I am. Um, he's still alive. And he's got an awesome beard. His beard is like down to here. I mean, I aspire to that level of righteousness. No. <laughs> um, I can't get mine to grow. It just kind of stops right here. Um, one of, I almost played it for you guys this morning. He's got a song called Creed One, and it's basically he sings through the Apostle Creed. I love it. Just absolutely love it. I believe John Michael Talbot is, even though he's in the Catholic faith, he, faith, he operates as a monk. He's married, um, but I think that ultimately he is a true follower of Jesus Christ. Because at the end of the day, what he he doesn't believe all these things are going to do it. He believes in Jesus Christ in faith alone through Him. That's what he believes. It's so hard because we can't see the heart, can we? And what Jeff said is so important because there are people that have. You know, this is a Baptist church by history. Um, there are people that were in the Baptist church that ultimately believed in works was going to save them because they, what, you know what they believed in? This prayer. I prayed this prayer when I was five, so I must be saved. I don't have to live for Jesus at all, but I pray that. What's the difference? Right? We, we all fall into that 
temptation to justify ourselves by what we've done. And what's sad is when we justify ourselves by the minimal amount as we possibly can. I pray to prayer. <laughs> right? But now, let's go back. So, I think that we're all in agreement to some degree or another that there's, there's surely there's something you have to believe for it to be genuine faith. But wherever that line is, I don't know if I could draw it. If I did, it would probably be a little bit... There's some things that are clearly on the wrong side. So if you're like, I believe in Jesus that he was just a man. He wasn't God, I'd say, we got, it, we got problems. You're not really believing in Jesus at all. Because that's not, you're not believing anything that he said of himself and what, what was said about him. Um, but there's other things I go, it's a little bit more hazy. Thoughts on that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then what do we believe next? Because if faith is putting my hope and rest and trust in something, it doesn't mean that I understand fully. Right. There, there's a difference between, and the, the previous answer even says something about you have to believe the whole Bible. Yeah. And yeah. what they mean by that. They cannot mean that I understand everything the Bible said. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Acknowledging. Yeah. Believing that God, everything he says in this book is true, I have to believe that God, what he says is true. Mm -hmm. I don't have to understand it all. Yeah. And I think that, that's that, that where I think it gets us tripped up on this, this question, because we feel like I have to understand the truth. Right? When yeah. Jesus comes back in that rapture thing, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Many things that you've said here I Mhm. Yeah. You got to understand back since my experience mm -hmm. most of us. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and we ask them some tough questions. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and they didn't have no answers. Mm -hmm. You know? And, um, but as Teresa said, my experience with Catholics have really started at that point. Mm -hmm. I pay attention to this. I pay attention to much of Absolutely. My son told me when he was, this is my old school child, so I think, I can remember the day I walked in in high school, but God had prepared my heart. Mm -hmm. I was going to I said, you get ready for church. I was the boy, always oh, been to get ready for church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, she was 
Yeah. What's that verse in Philippians? He who has begun the good work in you will we'll complete it. We'll perform it till the day of Jesus Christ, right? I mean, there's a reality that when I look at this question, I, I rest in the fact that God saves people. He's been doing this. He's the Redeemer. He's the Savior. He saves people. And ultimately, we can rest in that reality that it's not depending ultimately on us getting all of the answers perfectly right it's him it's all him now yeah sure real quick oh he that is a good one i won't ar- okay i won't argue with it that's a good one <laughs> Yes. Um, so I want to real quick just go through this. I thought it'd be interesting to just look at this as we wrap this up because there's so many avenues I could go down. I thought, let's just take a look at what these things are saying. Um, this is the Apostles' Creed as stated in our catechism. And interestingly enough, this is something that in many ways unites us with the Catholic faith under a, a bigger dome of Christianity, which is... Again, my mathematical mind doesn't like that. I, I like things more clarified. But um, we believe in God the Father, the Almighty Maker of heaven and earth. Who believes that? Absolutely. God the Father, Almighty Maker of heaven. So there's a creator of everything. I think that's an important element. Oh. And Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. I know that later ones went into a lot of debate over clarifying sonship and what that's about. That, and I don't think it has it in this one, but that he was not created. What was the one we had earlier? He was etern- eternally the son. I'm trying to think of the wording. Um, but in his physical body, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Do you guys believe that? Born of a virgin. Yeah. Suffered under Pontius Pilate. Do you believe that that really happened in history? Do you believe that he was crucified? Do you believe he died? Legit dead. Do you believe he was buried? Oh man, I'm going to 
pop the next one up there. Do you believe he descended into hell? Don't understand. Don't. Yeah. I've got some thoughts. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I think with the Ephesians 4, he descended actually just as talking about the fact that he descended to earth. Yeah. 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 So there's some things. My, my, my loop with that that I get into a challenge with is that uh, at the end of the day, I just go, this is, might be one of the first things I ask when I get to heaven. What happened that moment you breathed your last breath? Where'd you go? Because he told the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. But did he go somewhere else first? That's a tricky one. I think the key, though, is that he definitely descended into the grave, into the realm of the dead. I would say that that's accurate. Whether or not it was hell as we think of, like as we use the word, I would think it's more in the sense of the grave, the dead. I've heard all kinds of theories on this one. I'd share a couple, a couple of them with you that I learned in, in college, but I don't, honestly, now I go, I don't know. It's one of the first things I want to know. How about this? Third day he rose again from the dead. Do you believe that? Absolutely. Do you believe after that he ascended into heaven? you believe he's seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty? Absolutely. The scriptures teach that directly. Do you believe that eventually from there he will come to judge the living and the dead? Yes. Oh, but it also says that he will judge the living and the dead. It talks about that. I don't know, Paul, if you... Yeah, when he comes, there will be a judgment that will happen. All will sit before Christ. Yeah, when he was here on this earth, he did not come to judge. But at that point, now, next time we meet, it's a judgment seat of Christ that we will face. Yeah. Um, you guys believe in the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Um, this next one, again, might throw you for a loop. Uh, Catholic, universal. Yeah, that there, there is a, there exists the church. Right? Doesn't mean Catholic the way you think of Catholic. It just means that there is a church that expands or extends across this globe. I mean, we have our local church, right? And so many times in the scriptures when you're talking about the church, it's talking about the local church, not just the big church. But that's also a reality. There is a church that will, and we're not going to see this unite until the end when we all go. This is what I was talking about earlier, right? We're all going to be there in heaven. He's going to, after this judgment, after this resurrection, there's going to be this great wedding feast. And you're going to have all those that are in the faith from Adam to the very last one, whoever that will be, what a exciting day that will be. Um, 
But this church, when the church was established, when Christ died for the church, and now he's the head of the church, he's given all things to the church, there is a big C church that exists any given day. Can we know for sure the who's in and who's out? I don't think so, but we have a responsibility in our local church to try to define that as best as we can. Right? Um, which flows into the next one, the communion of the saints. Right? Um, not talking about communion, but yes, this, this fellowship, this coming together of the saints, that this is something that is an important element that needs to happen. The forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Absolutely. Um, I think this would be a good one to, to work on through the week, just thinking through the different parts of this. Um, if any parts of that you go, I don't know about that. I have questions. This is what I love, that communion of the saints element, right? Um, that we can come together and say, what about this? What about this? What about this? There's this spiritual element that comes in when we gather together where God can use each and every one of us to grow us together, right? All right. Um, any final thoughts, questions, comments, anything? That's all I got. No? Yeah. Ooh, did we record, since we're on, did we record that one? I think Paul was in charge of that one, so it probably didn't get recorded because he was slacking. <laughs> yeah. Um, since he taught that one, so we, we, got, we got a few minutes. Could you give a brief, brief as possible, ex, what, what does substitutionary mean? Mm-hmm. If you've read the Old Testament, there's all these pictures of sacrifices. And those sacrifices are meant to be pictures of substituting. So I sin, and God says, I have to give a sacrifice in the Old Testament. But that didn't actually take away my sin. It was meant to be a picture of a substitute who would take on the punishment for my sins as mm-hmm. my substitute. So substitutionary atonement is the blood sacrifice that's required. God says it don't understand it. He says there's no other way you can have forgiveness except in the shedding of blood. Substitutionary means someone was the substitute in mm-hmm. my place. Yeah. And he had to take all of my sins as my substitute. Mm-hmm. But his sacrifice had to be perfect as well. He couldn't just be, like Jeff can't just stand in my place as my substitute because Jeff is flawed himself. Mm-hmm. Plus, there's no way, even if Jeff was perfect as a man, he could not receive all the weight of God's wrath on him because he's just a man. So he had to be a God-man. He mm-hmm. had to be so, he had to be eternal in order to receive eternal weight of punishment for us. Mm-hmm. So substitute stands in my place, and that substitute has to be eternally valuable to be able to handle all that weight of God's crushing in my place. Um, anybody else? Yeah. Um, I've never 
<laughs> no need. This is this is Edgewood. We're all idiots. Mm. I've got Crohn's, and when I was younger, it just ravaged my body. And I, I turned mm. to drugs. I got hooked on them for ten years, and I was I was an utter slave to them. I tried to get off them. I tried everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, I was I was shaking. Mm. <laughs> I was there was no one from church that was anywhere around me. And mm. when I had exhausted everything and came clean with everybody, I got down one night. And I, I just said, Jesus, if you are real, mm. get me off this. Mm. And that was, I mean, it took me two months to realize that he'd answered my prayer. Mm. And that was 14 years ago. I've never touched anything since. Yeah. And then my faith, you know what I mean? It was, yeah. At that point, I was like, wow, this is actually real. Mm-hmm. So God, you know, like in answer to your question, mm. God graced me. Mm. You know, I mean, he saved me. Yeah. Yeah, that understanding comes, flows from it. Mm-hmm. Just to add something else, my I was raised Roman Catholic. Mm-hmm. My mother, I think she's close to eighty now. Mm-hmm. She said that someone had told her about a purpose-driven life mm-hmm. like twenty years before this, and she said she started having dreams about the book. Mm-hmm. She went and read it, and she called me one day. And she said, "This is crazy," but she said, "I." After reading that book, she said, I never realized. I was always reading the Bible thinking it was about me. Mm. She says, now I realize it's not about me. Mm. It was like a complete son out of the Roman Catholic faith. Yeah. I mean, God just, 80 years old, someone came in. I mean, she's been mm. Roman Catholic and, and believing that, that religion in Christ was all about mm. what he could do for her. And, and after an entire lifetime, God just stepped in. Yeah. I believe she saved so. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's an awesome testimony. Oh, my dad's giving me the, the sign. Um, thank you. for That's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I feel like we should uh, end on our, our um, mantra. You guys don't know our mantra. Let's, we'll, we'll do our mantra. Um, for those that do know it, say it nice and loud. I'm a complete idiot. But my future is incredibly bright, and anybody can get in on this. That's our mantra. (laughs) All right, you guys are dismissed.